The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. If you have your Bibles this morning, take them if you would and turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. And while you're turning there, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Let me say to you this morning, um, there is no nursery, and that's okay. I'm not going to be long this morning. I'm going to be somewhat brief, as a matter of fact. Um, not that brief. Don't get so excited because we got to start first, okay? But if you have young children, we're glad that they're here in the service. We think it's important for them to hear and to listen and to sit, which is a good thing. Sometimes it's good just to be quiet and to listen. And we know that children will make noises, and it's okay. If they start screaming, if you want to take them on the hallway, you can do that. If you want to sit on them, you can do that, all right? But, but we're glad that they're here. We're glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for being with us on our Good Friday service. Thank you for taking the time this morning. And as we think about the cross of Christ, I want to direct your attention to Galatians chapter 6 because Paul makes an amazing statement that I think is worth considering this morning as we try to wrap our heads around what the crucifixion means in our life today. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14 Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is really an amazing statement if we just pause for a second to think about it. Paul says, but God forbid. It's a strong way of saying, literally, may it never be, may this not be the case, that I should glory. The word glory there means to boast and not in a bad way or to rejoice, or to praise. And Paul says, by no means will I ever praise in anything. And it's interesting because Paul was the kind of man who could boast, and he could praise, and he could rejoice in his accomplishments. I found this quote the other day. I remembered it yesterday. It was from Winston Churchill who said this, Mr. Attlee is a very um, modest man. Indeed, he has a lot to be modest about. Okay? He's modest, but he should be modest. This was not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a man who, who lived the law of God to the best of his ability. He was a man who was zealous about his faith in Judaism. He was a Pharisee, and not the kind of Pharisee that we think about, the, the hypocrite, oh, you're a Pharisee. But a Pharisee who was separate unto God, who believed the word of God was important, who believed about the, the purity of his faith. He was so zealous about Judaism that when he saw the people of the way, Christianity now following Christ and Messiah, he gave his life to persecute and to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And for him, it was what he was called to do. And then on that day that he met Christ on the road to Damascus, everything changed. But for Paul, still a man who is the greatest theologian who ever lived. The greatest missionary who ever lived. And today, half of our New Testament, almost half of our New Testament, has been penned by Paul. And so certainly, if anyone could boast, if anyone could glory, if anyone could rejoice, it would be Paul. Paul could say, I've done this, I've been here, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe that gave Israel their first king. Look at what I've done. And Paul says, may it never be the case. I don't want to glory or boast or praise anything except one thing. 
And the one thing he says that is worth his life of praise and glory and boasting is this. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for Paul to make this statement, to be adamant about this statement, it would serve us well to understand exactly what he means by that phrase, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross can mean several things. And for most of us this morning, as we think about the cross of Jesus Christ, we think about a physical piece of wood, do we not? That's what Paul had in mind in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, speaking of Jesus who became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And oftentimes when we hear the word cross, our mind goes to that place of Calvary to see a wooden tree. This is what Crummacher talks about when thinking about this idea of the cross. He says, The cross, with its victim, elevates itself and rises to its height. The earth rejects the prince of life from its surface. And as it seems, heaven refuses him also. And this is what the cross can mean. But I want you to know something this morning. This is not what Paul is talking about. The truth is, any individual in the first century who thought about the cross, the wooden instrument of death, this excruciating way to die, would never in their right mind say, I'm going to boast and I'm going to glory and I'm going to praise this piece of wood. That's not what he's speaking about. And I think today that Paul would be mortified to see churches and religions who take a crucifixion and adore it. That's what Paul is glorying in. a matter of fact, I think Paul would see that as blasphemous or idolatrous. When he says, I will glory in the cross of Christ, he is not talking this morning about a piece of wood. The cross can be used that way. That's not what he's talking about. There's a second meaning of the word cross, and it is to uh, associate with uh, suffering or affliction. We use this terminology, don't we? We say, this is my cross, and I must bear it. Or this is my grief, and this is a cross I have to carry. And, and we understand that. It's the same phrase that Jesus used in the Gospels when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And certainly Paul is familiar with this idea because he did glory in his afflictions. There was something in Paul's life that he understood that even in suffering, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that in suffering, God can be glorified. The power of Christ could rest upon him, and his strength would, made, would be made perfect in weakness. And Paul understood that, and, and the cross can certainly mean that. But that's not what Paul has in mind here at all. It's totally different. And there's a third sense, which I, which I believe is a sense that Paul is speaking about this morning. When he says, I will glory in nothing but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is talking about cross in a way that encompasses the entire teaching and doctrine of the atonement. The atonement, right? Reconciliation, uh, paying a debt for someone. The atonement that Jesus Christ made on the cross of Calvary. That's what Paul has in mind here. And simply put, what he is glorying in is this. Christ crucified the only Savior of the world. That's what Paul was excited about. That's what Paul loved. That's what Paul, the only thing that Paul would rejoice over. Paul loved to think about Christ crucified, the only Savior. Paul loved to preach about Christ crucified, 
the only Savior. Paul loved to write about Christ crucified, the only Savior. He would enlarge on it constantly and return to it continually. And Paul loved to live in that truth that Christ was crucified, his only Savior. As a matter of fact, he said, I am crucified with Christ. We wonder how Paul can be so strong in his faith, how he can be so unwavering, how he can take anything that life throws at him. It's because Paul believed and gloried in this fact that Christ was crucified, the only Savior of the world. And Paul seems to think that the most advanced Christian can never, ever hear too much about Christ crucified, the only Savior. That's what he glories in. And so this morning, with that thought and that truth, we've come together for Good Friday. Paul says, I will glory in the cross. I think that's what we're doing this morning. Glorying in the cross, understanding not wood, not affliction, but Christ crucified, the only Savior. So what does that mean for us today? As we sit and reflect and we take this time out of this day, so what? So what? Well, Christ crucified, the only Savior, first and foremost, brings salvation. It brings salvation. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are only two religions in the world. Say, okay, wait a minute. Wrong. Ah, You just lost me there. I know there's Christianity. I know there's Islam. I know there's Judaism. I know those who are practicing Confucius and and Buddhist and and all those things. And beside that, there are lots and lots of denominations. There's Catholic. There's Greek Orthodox. There's Baptist. There's Presbyterian. There's Anglican. There's United. The, The list goes on and on. There's no way that there are just two religions. But my friend, when you boil them all down, There are only two. There's only two. One is a religion of divine accomplishment. We call that the gospel. We call it grace. We call it Christ crucified, the only Savior. And everything else is human achievement. Everything. It's it's men and women who are trying their best to do their best to to pay their taxes, to love their families, to to follow the golden rule. Whatever it takes to merit God's favor. It's human achievement. But I want you to think for a moment with me as we think about the cross this morning. If there was anything that we could do, anything, if we could be good or sort of add to this and we could find favor in God's eyes on our own, then the death of Jesus Christ is a waste of time. Why would God expose his son to the excruciating death of the cross if you and I could do something to merit our salvation? The truth is we can't. It is a divine accomplishment. It was, it was, um, it was brought and wrought on Calvary's hill. Thomas Adams says this, By his sweat we are refreshed, by his sorrow we rejoice, and by his death we are saved. Christ crucified The only Savior of the world brings salvation. That's why in this place we will sing, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And this morning as you sit, listen to me, you can know these things. And you can even say, yeah, I think that's right. But until you take Christ crucified the only Savior and make that application to your own heart, you are lost. And the suffering of Christ 
and the atonement of Christ and the wrath of God that was poured on his head for all sin for your sake means nothing to you. You will die in your sin. And so, Christ crucified the only Savior means we have salvation, but we must repent and call upon the name of the Lord. Sitting in church does not help you. It doesn't. Hearing the gospel over and over again does not help you. A matter of fact, I would say to you, it condemns you. Because you have heard truth. You have heard it over and over and again, and, and you, you're almost weary of it. But I want you to know something. What we celebrate this morning is Christ crucified the only Savior. That truth and that fact brings salvation to every man and to every woman who will call upon the name of the Lord. It brings salvation. Number two, Christ crucified the only Savior. Not only does it bring salvation, but it should stir us. It should do something in here. Do you understand what we're talking about this morning? When, when we think about the crucifixion, I love the songs that were chosen, the verses that were read, to, to sort of to, to narrow in our mind on what that Friday must have looked like. Do you know that he was mocked for you? I think this is one of those things that we sort of take lightly, like, okay, he was mocked, let's move on. But can I tell you something? It's terrible to be mocked, is it not? I mean, it's terrible to have someone mock you or scoff you or make fun of you or to laugh at you. You know how you feel, just like you sort of shrink down. And here was Christ, the maker of the world, being mocked by wicked and sinful men. He was mocked for you. He was beaten for you. He was spit upon for you. He was scourged till his back looked like a a plowed field for you. And he was pierced for you. Christian, let me talk to my brothers and sisters. Shouldn't this thought move us? It has been said that all creation reacts at the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Life, the God, the Maker, the God-Man, dying on the cross. And so it does. Think with me. The sun is darkened. The earth moves. The rocks break. The veil in the temple is rent from top to bottom. And the sepulchers and the graves are opened. And all of these inanimate objects are moved at the mighty maker bowing his head on Calvary. And yet, our hearts are not stirred. And we are harder than all of those things. And I submit to you, brother and sister in Christ, this thought of Christ crucified, our only Savior, it ought to stir us. And our problem is that maybe on Good Friday we think about this, but we better think about this every day. Think long and hard and vividly about the fact that Christ was crucified for you and for me. It should stir us this morning. And then finally, Christ crucified the only Savior should sanctify us. It should set us apart. It should help us to be holy like our Lord. Christ delivered himself to death for our sins that he might deliver us from death and our sins. And sometimes we miss this as believers. 
Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sin on Calvary, the wrath of God poured upon his head, he paid the price for you and for me. But do you know something? Not only did he pay the price for sin, but he, in his death, burial, and resurrection, broke the power of sin in our lives. Christian, you and I should not be the same people we were 10 years ago. We should not be the same people we were five years ago. And may I suggest this morning, we should not be the same people we were a year ago. Too many believers are satisfied with fire insurance, my get-out-of-hell-free pass, and not concerned with being free from sin in our lives. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I know that that's not the case, but there should be a striving when we think about the death of Christ that we long to be holy, we long to be right, we long to have victory. It shouldn't be that we're still mean, like we were always mean, or unkind, or arrogant, or abrasive, or looking for a fight, or going back again and again to the same sin. We should be looking to Calvary, we should be looking to the cross, and we should understand that through Christ crucified our only Savior, there is victory for us to live a life that pleases him. I was uh, thinking about Stephen Charnock, one of the old Puritans, who helps us, I believe, with this. He talks about our struggle with sin, and by the way, we all have them. We all have them. And he says, when we are in the midst of that struggle, what we need to do is this, go to the foot of Calvary and look upon Jesus Christ and then say this, how can I take pleasure in this sin that I'm about to enjoy that caused the death of my best friend? Believer, I'll tell you something, if we started to do those things, if we would look to the cross, we look to Calvary, we would see God's sanctifying power in our lives. This is exactly what Paul meant in Romans chapter 6. The whole chapter is about this truth, that Christ crucified, the only Savior, not only saves us from the power of sin, not only should it stir us, but it should sanctify us. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We have grace now. Should we continue to sin? And Paul says, God forbid. May it never be the case. That's not why we were saved. And then he goes on. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And believer, this morning, as we sit in this space, as we've taken time to think about the cross, specifically Christ crucified, the only Savior, if you're saved this morning, may we rejoice in that truth. If you're not saved this morning, may this be the day that it all comes together that you understand we are sinners by nature, we are sinners by choice, we are lost without any hope, we cannot do anything to merit God's favor, we can work, we can try, we can be religious, but it is all not. He is holy, perfect, just, righteous. And left in our sins, we are condemned to death, eternal death, in a place called hell. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And may this be the day, Good Friday, 2016, that you call upon the name of the Lord. Because Christ crucified, the only Savior, it brings salvation. And then for us who know him this morning, may this thought stir us. And not just today. Not just when we hear a song on the radio. But may we purposefully take time, set aside time, that we think about what Paul has said here. I'm not going to glory in anything, in any accomplishment, in any gifting. I will glory in one thing, Christ crucified, the only Savior. And may it stir our hearts that he did this for you. He did this for me. And may this blessed truth change us. I don't know about you, but I get tired of being the same old stupid Rick that I've been for a long time. And you're probably saying, yeah, I get tired of the same old stupid Rick too. I, I get it. I get it. But, but I hope you just reflect a little bit on yourself as we go through this. Okay? I get tired of that. And here's the hope of Christ crucified, the only Savior. I don't have to be what I used to be. I don't have to be what I once was. By his death, his burial, and resurrection, I can be transformed into the image of the Savior. And would to God that that would be all of our prayers this morning. And so, my friend, if you don't know Christ, I pray that today you would understand what the, what the cross means, the atonement of Christ. And for those of us who know him, may we rejoice in what we have through Christ crucified as we look forward to Sunday, because he is risen. He is risen indeed. And may this thought and truth stir our hearts and may it help to sanctify our lives as believers. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.